Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard, the young, the young Grognard, kicking it to you live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the kings, and the quest, Gorgareth. Our party in the last episodes have made their way all the way from Enton to just about on their way to Solthide in the hopes that they can kill or at least get some blood from Eindindereth, the white dragon. Why? So that they can make a fancy schmancy potion to make them immune to fire. Why? So that they can melt the giant block of metal in order to fit into the portal. Why? So they can go to the land of immortals, help you get there and hopefully warn them of whatever the hell the Herald of Steel is planning on doing. But complications along the way. Well, I mean, I guess Klika's dad, maybe dead, is maybe dead. Hard to tell. Dustwind's definitely toast. The party ran into Valakath and a bunch of spooky raids. Anton found out a lot of things after removing the curse from Klika's signature blade flicker, uh, realizing that, I don't know, I, I guess we called them STDs. I don't feel comfortable calling them shadow transmitted diseases, but Valakath may have some tendrils sneaking out to pretty much everybody that she's touched with the blade. But luckily, now that we have removed that curse, that seems to be no more. The scrying effect of the blade is no more. So hopefully the party would maybe be able to make it on their way to Eindindrith and Solthide in peace. But unfortunately, in the last episode, our party is having a strange run-in with some sort of mechanical iron hound, which has been hunting them their entire journey. And now at their final little, uh, I guess, meeting here, uh, well, Norhill's in his underpants, Klika's ready to go, Jarzak's pumped and ready as well, Anton summoned the candlestick of doom, and I guess we're ready to jump right into this, aren't we? This giant screeching mechanical hound the size of probably I'd say more like a grizzly bear kind of size rather than the bull I said last time. But this mechanical contraption is starting to rev up and get ready to come screeching at you guys. But we're going to roll initiative real quick. So let's get to it. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> I got I to gotta slick 10. What's the number to beat, Norhill? <laughs> Four. <laughs> Did anybody get below a four? Okay. I think you got a what twenty-one. Anton get? Anton okay. got twenty. Okay, so it's gonna go: Klika, Anton, Jarzak, the Iron Hound, and Norhill. So let's start rattling it off. Okay. It is, so Do it's I within get... one hundred and twenty feet. Then. Do I get my ready to no. action? No, okay. I was going to say this was going to be about 200 feet away. Oh, okay. Uh, if it went first, I would have given you that ready to action, but I figure at this point that's not really going to. 
I'm thinking of the economy and I figure that doesn't really help. Actually, no, I'll tell you what, we'll do it that way. We'll say that it is at the 120 mark and Jarzak's able to get off his spell before we go into that first round of it. Okay. Just because in all that preparation time, the fact that it was his turn on watch, he got to wear the armor. And we'll say that that's what he planned. So what were you going to do? Okay. Uh, he needs to make a wisdom saving throw. Okay. Um, so as you cast this, you recognize that as you cast it at it, uh, it seems to already have some reflective uh, immunities going on here as you cast the spell at it. What was the saving throw I had to get? Uh, 16 wisdom. Okay. So with that, it reflects the spell. And it's able to deflect it, and it does not take any of the effect. What, what was the effect anyway? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, was it a charming effect, an exhaustion effect, frightening, paralyzing, uh, it, petrifying, poisoning? Nothing. It's a deleting that spell off his spell list effect. Yeah. <laughs> do that stupid stalker spell or whatever it is. The fucking the phantasmal killer. Yeah. There you go. I hey, figured a bowl, a bowl might not be wise. And it's but... glorious. <laughs> Well, I mean, if I didn't have to roll an advantage, I would have gotten a six. So for what it's worth, it would have worked pretty good if I didn't roll really well. But okay. So now we go to the first turn of the round of combat, and that would be Klinka. So in that case, we will say it's 120 away. Okay. Uh, I know I said I was going to cast all those things, but I probably would have held off on like shadow blade and maybe blink until this point so i have mirror image and fire shield going already but uh yeah i'll just bonus action uh blink for this round and or not bonus action just cast blink and that will be my turn while i wait for it to get into range okay uh next is going to be anton Anton's going to first cast Shield on Norhill, getting a sense that Norhill might not feel the most comfortable in the condition he's in right now. That gives him a plus two bonus AC for the next 10 minutes. Uh, is that concentration? Um, it is concentration, but I am a... Uh, which, what the hell kind of... Warcaster, but Warcaster? is Guardian of Faith concentration? It is not. It's not. Okay. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, I'm just trying to find it because I because I have one second because I think I could cast shield as a second level spell, but I don't know what makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Usually, be written on the bottom of it, but uh, the shield of faith spell. I don't. I don't actually know if it heightens. Does it? It it's it's saying it does, but no, I don't think it does. All right, so no, no Norhill's going to get two extra points. No, well, I already looked. It's, um, yeah. Um, but you can also cast a cantrip if you'd like to. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, I don't the... have any cantrips that would make ah, would resistance be good. Actually, that might be very good. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to give you any. Uh... I, give to... I, also give that I don't know. Who do you need? Sure, like, I mean, I definitely didn't just say, who do you need? I need everybody. That's I was going to say, that's the best answer. Resistance is concentration, so that will drop your shield of faith. Mm. 
Oops. Yeah, then maybe I maybe what I was thinking is like Anton's backup plan was. You can just take the dodge action. Yeah, that's true. I can just do that. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'll just do dodge. Have that ready. Okay, so now it goes to Jarzak. Yep. Wait. Gonna cast our other, spell again? Yeah, I was gonna use your other spell slot and just try yeah. it one more time. Go, yeah, sure. A wisdom saving throw. Okay. You know, I'm gonna feel really bad when I beat it again. Uh, yeah, I got an 18. Okay. Uh, Jarzak's like, uh, well, this one's too mighty for me, and turns and starts walking thirty <laughs> feet away. Very good. As you walk past the terrifying candlestick horror, you're like, you know what? Maybe, maybe Valaketh wasn't so bad. <laughs> I like to imagine it's actually a giant wacky inflatable like tube man dancing around, but looking also like the giant candlestick. But um. Yeah, I mean, that's the fantasy I like to live. Uh, but with that, the uh, Metal Hound uh, doubles down and in 120 feet of distance, clears that distance in its turn and makes it to about 30 or so feet away from the party at a point where it's going to be able to catch Klika and Norhill and Anton. Uh, and can I get each of you to make a constitution saving throw? I think I moved back. I was say you certainly dodged a bullet. Or maybe I forgot to see if I blink, and I did. So, Cleek is not there. How far away is this thing? You blinked in the turn that you cast it. Yeah, you start check making the checks as soon as you cast it. Roger. Well, good luck, Norhill and Anton. Anton only got nine, so Norhill got an eighteen. Oh. Oh, very good. Uh, so, Anton, um, I'm sorry to say, but as this mechanical hound rushes right up to the party, Klika whiffs out of existence real quick and poofs <laughs> somewhere else. Jarzak has gotten some good distance, and as the two of you stand on either side of the giant candlestick of doom, um, Norhill staves himself against the thunderous howling sound, which you guys are able to hear from near miles and miles away. It just conically shapes it towards you, megaphones. Uh, Anton, you take the full brunt of this thunderous explosion, this shrieking of steel here, and it kind of takes you back as your brain gets that like ear piercing ringing noise, and you feel your like consciousness begin to like waver in and out. Oh, um, you're almost oddly taken back to that strange hill giant you guys had fought that one time. Uh, and you remember him sort of mentioning the song and the screeching of the metal, right? A call of the Herald of Steel. Yeah. And you take, uh, wow, that is so close to minimum damage. And I, I rolled all twos and one one on D10s. Uh, so you take a total of uh, six, nine points of thunder damage. And you are stunned until its next turn, dropping your weapon and shield and standing there with your mouth agape and your ears ringing. Uh, Norhill, on the other hand, uh, you take a whopping four points of damage, and that's it. I can't use my reaction as um, warding flare, right? It's not. It's a saving throw. Yeah. 
And uh, you do have to make a concentration check, though. Ooh, very true. It's going to be an easy one, isn't it? Only 10? Yeah, and you have advantage. Wait, I have to make a concentration show after making a concentration show? That seems kind of odd. No, you just make the one of them because Shield of Faith. Yeah, Shield of Faith, yeah. You took damage. Uh, Shield of Faith? What were you guys saying? I get an advantage? Because of Warcaster. Warcaster. You have advantage on your con- oh, or concentration oh, checks. Uh, I got 17. There you go. So even though you're standing there like, duh, um, you managed to at least uh, retain the spell. Though I don't know. I mean, if you're stunned, does that break the spell? I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, wouldn't that is be it, funny? If is it incapacitated? Uh, stunned be- creature is incapacitated, can't move and can speak, but only falteringly. So, yeah, so I guess if you're incapacitated, that automatically whiffs it, right? Reactions or reactions? Well, so I guess if you are technically incapacitated, would that mean the spell effect ends? I have no idea. You lose concentration on a spell if you are incapacitated or if you die. Yeah. What would that shield of faith whiffs off? Fucking great. So that Norhill behind the shield notices the glimmering light around him, leaves, and as he like lowers the shield and looks to the side, he sees Anton like clutching his ears and sort of in like a dizzy sort of vertigo state, like waving in and out and back and forth as this terrifying hound is about 30 feet away from you guys in the candle. So uh, now it goes to Norhill's turn. Oh. Don't trust anybody else to do a dwarf. <laughs> um, then Norhill is going to lower his head, dash as an action, and charge at the creature uh, using the helm of steel brand. Uh, I'm so going to give you a... I was going to say, I'll give you advantage on this, so I'll take disadvantage on this charge. I mean, just yeah, because... char- yeah, charging it, that's a feature uh, that, that, that it always gets uh, when I choose to dash. So it needs to make a DC 14 strength save at disadvantage. Yep, because I figured, and it's got a pretty good bonus, so who knows? I'm giving this to you because the idea of you running in your underpants wearing the helmet with the shield and that's fucking it is just too funny to me. Um, So with that, what was the saving throw I had to beat? 14. I got a 15. So with that, it's not knocked down. I know, I rolled double sevens, so I'm like, that's right there. All right, well... Action surge. Yeah. All right. Um, is I don't think a thirteen is going to hit though. Not. I'm starting to get very worried for Norhill. I'm not the one who decided to throw this combat at the party when Norhill when it's impossible <laughs> to be armored. Are you going to throw that at me? Did you want the thing to wait 40 minutes for you to get dressed? Yes, um, and I got I rolled less on the second attack. Well, all right. At least you got full health. So now it goes to Klika. Okay, Klika pops back into existence, 10 feet closer, closes the gap. Can I get into flanking on this thing? You sure can. That's good. 
We'll see how this goes. Uh, and this is going to be with uh, Booming Blade. The cantrip on Shadow Blade. Wow. Does a 16 hit? It uh, does not. Okay. I will spend two sorcery points to quicken spell and attack again. Okay. Yeah, as you swing in on it, you clink right off of this metal. Does a 25 hit? I'd hope so. Me too. I don't make those decisions. Man, I've rolled so poorly on Shadowblade damage recently. 17. Okay. And what kind of damages are we talking about for that? Uh, it's going to be six psychic damage, six thunder damage, and then five just magical regular damage. Okay. So it does seem to be warding off uh, a chunk of the damage that you did to it as you realize that there is no capacity for psychic damage on this creature. Fucking clutch. All right. And with that, Klika will see if she roll poofs out of existence. She does. <laughs> Not even getting the flank. Oh, Norhill. Whoa, is he? Um, okay, is that it for your turn? That'll do it. All right, Anton, you're up. Oh, I, I thought Jarzak was going to get into melee, and that's why I casted Flank, but I guess we're not doing that. I was going to say, Anton's actually stunned for uh, this portion of it, too, so um, I guess that leaves you incapacitated. You can speak. You can speak falteringly. Is it within 10 feet of my candle creature? No. No, the party ran up to it. You can speak falteringly if you'd like to on your turn. Can I make it move? Can I tell my candle guardian to move? Is that an action? A large guardian occupies the space. It doesn't really say if it can move. I don't know if it can. I think it's just there. an important detail to know. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't look like it moves, Ronnie. Oh, that's stupid. Uh, well, I guess that's. I mean, I guess this candle visual is making more and more sense now. It's a uh, guardian of fate. Yeah, it doesn't move. Okay, so with that, Anton sends there, dumbstruck by that spell, or at least from the screeching, and we go to Jarzag. How far away is it from me? Uh, from you, sixty feet. Unless you double moved. No, no, I could only move once. Um, I will uh, see Klika just popping in and out of existence, and seeing Norhill get hit around, Anton not moving. He's like, shit. Okay, turns around and starts walking back towards it. Uh, and so I'll move 30 feet closer and cast my Hexblade's Curse. What does your Hexblade's Curse do again? I just curses them. It's not pro- nothing to worry about. Uh, it curses them, as a Hexblade may do. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sh- 
I get a plus three bonus to damage rolls, uh, score critical roll on a 19 or 20, and I regain some HP if it dies. Why? Okay. Is that your whole turn? No, I'm also going to cast a spell, and I'm going to Eldritch Blast it. Okay. And it's force damage? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. What do we got? Uh, 26 to hit. That's good. And a 17 to hit. And a 17 to hit? 17 is not good enough. Okay. Good. Uh, nine no, we're really... We're really wait nine damage you said. Uh, plus my three. Yeah, so uh, twelve, twelve damage. Okay. Very well. Okay, and so with that, after being hit twice, this thing doesn't seem to be phased much by anything that's gone on with it. Is that your end of your turn? Yep. All right. So with that, uh, oh. Norhill, this thing. What? I'm holding up my shield. So with that, uh, now this beast turns its full view onto Norhill after kind of, I don't know, trying to react to the blipping in and out Klika who stabbed him, but then looking down at Norhill, it prepares to chomp onto him with a violent looking mouth of almost literal swords and daggers. And so with that, what's your armor class again? Well, and your underpants. Uh, so actually only one of them hits. Uh, uh, that so it I'm going to spend a reaction and use my warring maneuver. Uh, is it still going to hit on a 15? It is still going to hit. Okay. Uh, so that attack, I'm going to have resistance to the damage. Okay. So the total damage that it's going to deal is 12 points of piercing damage. So the thing chomps onto your arm, and as it starts to, like, tug at you and pull at you, you can feel this thing, like, attempting to pull you with it. Can I get a strength saving throw from you? Dirty 20. Okay. So it tries pulling you away from the combat as if trying to, like, literally, like, take you and pull you with it. It chomps onto your arm and just starts trying to, I guess you one could say it's almost like, Wild dog approaches camp trying to take a snack off the plate and run for it. Norhill's the only one around. It looks to bite you and pull you out of here and make a booking out of here with it. But you put both your dwarfy heels into the ground, wearing your little bunny loafers, and you uh, manage to hold your ground with it. And the thing just keeps tugging to pull you away, growling a mechanical growl. And as it lets go, it seems like it's preparing to do another one of its screeches. Uh, And that gives us your turn. So what would you like to do, Norhill? Uh, Norhill is going to attempt to hit it twice. Okay. Uh, 22 to hit. That's good. And uh, it doesn't appear to be wielding a weapon, does it? No, it does not. All right, so I'm going to make this, uh, again, a goading attack. Naturally. As Norhill uh, does. <laughs> yes, that's right. Can't keep focused. Don't forget who the real threat is. 
the dwarf in his underpants. Uh, that's going to be 21 points of magical piercing and lightning damage. Good, good, good. Okay. And this thing looks to be bloodied. Uh, did I have to make a saving throw? What? Did I have to make a saving throw? Oh, yeah. It's a DC 15 uh, reading wisdom. Okay. Uh, was there any sort of stipulation about it being immune to certain effects and not having to roll saving throws? Or is this one of those ones where it just always... I mean, I'd have to check the full description of the ability. Either way, I passed on the saving throw, so I guess it doesn't matter all that much. Yeah, we, So we, it doesn't seem to even pay much attention to what you're yelling at it as you swing and bash its cranium in a couple times. The thing just seems to kind of keep darting around the camp. I haven't, I haven't swung my up. second attack yet. Never mind. The second attack crits. Okay, that changes things a little bit. Uh, this one's just a normal attack, no additional dice. That would have been kind of swag. Uh, that's going to be another 23 points of magical piercing and lightning damage. Goodness gracious. So yeah, this thing has definitely gotten quite a few real hard-hitting battering hits on it. It doesn't look to be doing too good. And uh, you can tell now after dealing this damage, this thing looks like it's about to turn tail and get out of here. But this is when, again, sort of the tactical minds of the party start to come together and realize that perhaps this thing, after trying to pull Norhill away from here, maybe this thing wasn't meant to attack the party and kill it. And now we go to Klika's turn. Okay, Klika poofs back in, flanking with Norhill, gives a big thumbs up, like, hey, thanks for always being there for me. I all really appreciate it. I watched you get mauled by that dog in the ethereal plane. Looking good, bud. Um, she's going to dismiss uh, Shadow Blade since it didn't seem to be affected by the psychic poison of that. Pull out the now decursed flicker and make an attack with that and booming blade. Okay. Does a 19 hit? That sure does. Slowly but surely, the armor class gets tightened to where it is. <laughs> Like I have to roll all the damage just separate. Uh, okay, so seven uh, magical damage, four acid damage, and th six thunder damage. So for a total of 17 damage. Okay, so it definitely looks quite a bit wounded by this attack as well. This thing's literally like losing chunks of metal and falling apart under the weight of the attack. Even the uh, caustic sort of a, a spittle coming off of the blade as you stab seems to be deteriorating much of the binding flesh that's holding this metal contraption together. So okay. and do you then have a I'll, second attack? Yeah, I'll quicken spell and attack again with the same thing. Actually, there we go. Who's on this one coming? Uh, 24 to hit, so d4, d8, d6. Wow, I rolled minimum damage on everything. 
Nine damage total. <laughs> you know, it looks like Anton might be able to. Jerry of the small, eight more damage. <laughs> you son of a bitch. It dies. Yeah, see, doesn't kill anything, my fucking foot. Yeah, well, you know what? Anton could have got the kill on this one, but it just had to be all furious and small. So, what does the kill look like? Uh, after realizing that Shadow Blade doesn't seem to be working, uh, Klika gets a flashback to how it also just sort of has failed her in the past against these kind of constructs and more recently against Valakath. Um, she dismisses it, pulls out Flicker, knows that Norhill has its almost full attention, and uses that to quickly get in two good deep stabs underneath it where most people would have trouble getting that vantage point and just deftly moves the blade in to its haunches on either side, pretty much crippling it and brings it down. Okay. And so that as the thing falls to the ground, you hear um, the thing start to kind of like the weirring engines within it seem to slowly but surely come to a stop. And as it does, you hear a very strange noise inside of it. And as you kind of like listen in closer from your very furious and small vantage point, you hear back the voices of Klika and Norhill and Jarzak and Anton grunting and running around and all the noises of the combat as if this thing was spying and recording your actions during the combat. Man. Whatever this thing is, it was certainly looking to give some information to whoever it was working for. I mean, the fact it's made out of metal might be a hint. I don't know, but... Seems fairly obvious. Yeah, so once we've sort of reconvened after combat, Klika will pull everyone together and say, um, when Klika got the last hit in on it, she could hear all of the noises from that combat being played back. It sounds like it might have been recording it and was probably sending that to the Herald of Steel. So he likely knows where we are now. And knowing about the fact that those armies are outside, not too far from where you are, there might be scouting parties following shortly after the Hound. Norhill is going to very roughly dismantle it, um, uh, making sure to break and bust as many pieces as possible uh, so, so that it's not recoverable. Yeah, in, a, in an almost poetic sense, you think back to where you first found this staticky war pick in that giant machine that you first found it buried in, and you begin to rebury it back into some cogs and gears real quick as you just die, motherfucker, die, starts playing in the background as you slowly but surely in slow-mo just beat the crap out of the corpse to break it. Like, track this. <laughs> anyway okay so what's the plan now we may want to move on from this site now just in case there are further scouting parties that are going to be following this thing and it was not quiet no 
So what's the party think about that? Yeah, Clicker thinks maybe we should keep moving for the night. Well, at least until okay. we think we're at a good distance, but um, hopefully we'll be able to rest safely soon. Okay. Um, so with that... Ready. So I guess, is the party actually going to leave the camp or are we going to be sticking around? I think I think we should move on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the dead of night, the party decides to move, uh, what, just like a few more hours away and then hopefully set up like a minor version of camp? Hey, are there or... any of those old dwarven outposts nearby? Not reasonably close like you'd be trudging through the mountains after hours all right never mind you know figured just maybe you know, a little watchtower in the foothills or something i mean it would be a sweet one but you guys have traveled so far from there that you're out of dwarvish country again but okay. yeah um but okay we'll just say that you guys travel for a few more hours set up a minor version of camp go back to sleep and hopefully come morning there's not a team surrounding the camp but okay and like magic morning comes and nothing happened to the camp so it seems like whatever you guys had evaded it's not on your trail as much as it could be or perhaps it's still on your trail and you guys think you're okay hard to tell i'm the dm i don't know everything um but with that, uh, the party travels the rest of their time before reaching the outskirts of the uh, um, barony of Solthide. And once you guys are here, you start to notice some very peculiar things as cottages and small like hamlets once you're starting to rove into like this more outskirty country with like yeomanry where people would have like sheep and goats and stuff like that. Lots of these cottages have been either set on fire and this is you find like charred remains or in a more painful realization you see uh a lot of these places have been like frozen over with shards of ice and like glazes of snow and slicked like black ice over the buildings uh you find remnants of bodies left behind and you see a lot of dead like uh humans um it looks like the farther you go along and the closer you get to Solthide itself, the more and more you notice the attacks from the dragon become a little bit more centered. But seeing the remnants of goblin corpses as well, it's looking like the forces of the goblins have definitely made their way into this area. Um, but uh, Jarzak, I promised you I was going to have you roll some nature checks before. Uh, could I have you roll a nature check real quick? It's definitely not a poop check. A six. <laughs> Is it a six? Yep. Okay. So as you guys are traveling through the uh, the foothills in between the villages here and getting closer and closer towards Solthide or at least Hillhide or something of like a more major location, something of a place to call sort of a base camp before having to climb the mountains and get all the way up to the stones reach there at the top where the white dragon Eindindrith is. Uh, as you're traveling through the foothills, uh, Darzak, uh, amongst the party, uh, everybody notices a gigantic footprint in the ground that Klika could lay down in very comfortably. And this gigantic footprint is, I mean, Jarzak, from what he can tell, 
uh, it must be a giant of some variety or some sort of gigantic creature. Um, but what's most perplexing about it uh, is there's a bunch of like burrowed out holes in it that are pretty big. You almost think like a halfling could probably scuttle into one of these things if it had to. But most irregularly, you see square shaped turds and you're not exactly sure what that means. But they're all over the place here, and there's lots of really well-trimmed down grasses. You and mean, like, from your cubes? wonderful knowledge of nature check, uh, square poops is not normal. Like, like that Minecraft right. blocks? <laughs> no. Is this, is this... Did someone leave, like, food here? Like, what is this? Are they, like, rectangles? Or cubes? They're, like, they're like square shape but like an inch tall, but like an inch and a half. So it's like rectangular, but it's definitely more cubey than not. And as you guys are walking around and looking at these ginormous footprints, um, in the distance, you can see a small furry marsupial looking critter pop out of one of the holes and one of the other footprints and starts digging at the dirt real quick. And as you guys look and see this strange critter about the size of like a, uh, I don't want to say a bread box, but like, you know, like a bread box, you know, uh, pops out of the ground, starts digging at the dirt real quick. You look and you see that there's another one of them staring right back at it. And they seem to be getting ready to come crashing into each other into some sort of strange little <laughs> marsupial critter uh, assault. Right. And so what would you guys like to do? It's not what's bigger. What the fuck? Where, where the hell is the giant? Has Norhill never seen a creature like this before? A giant or a wombat? The wombat. Oh, it's a wombat. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, somebody's walking around in giant-sized bat jackboots. It's probably a giant, but yeah, this small, strange marsupial is yeah. That's that's what's right in front of him. I mean, I would say it's probably likely that dwarves living so close to these mountains where the wombats seem to be living at the base of them. It makes sense that dwarvish traders might trade wombat furs and like have wombat hats and stuff like that. Which is very sad to think about because wombats are really cute and pleasant. But like it makes sense that Norhill would know what these little critters are. Oh, I've never seen one with its skin intact. It's not nice. I don't appreciate any of that humor. But as soon as these two little critters go to smack into one another, they start growling and kind of like a cat fight. They just like tumble into each other, start rolling around and scraggling. And all of a sudden, the hillock to the side of you guys, to the left of you guys, about 100 feet away, it starts to unravel itself and a giant troll face appears from underneath as if like like oh, like a bakugan just like unrolling from its ball state the <laughs> troll's head appears from there two giant arms reach out and start to push itself up and it comes to a lurching height that is just freakish right and so this thing just stands up and goes walking over picks up the two wombats into its gigantic hands and separates them and in the gigantic or the giant tongue uh, starts to speak to both of them and oh, holds can, them both as they. So you hear it saying, now, no need for fighting. And it leans in and smooches both of these two things on their little tiny heads before lowering them to the ground where they run into one of the footprints, which look to be about the size of the giants. 
So, uh, I was going to say, Charzak, would you like to roll another nature check? Yeah, sure. Klika just leans into Schultz here and just as she pets the scruff on the side of its head, just whispers relationship goals. I got the, the two one, but oh, very well. Sake. It looks like a giant, but you can tell that this is probably a troll, if anything. It's freakishly distorted features looking more like trollish features rather than um, like true giants or ogres or anything like that. Like this looks to be like a troll of some variety, but which kind? Hard to say. And this is the only one you've ever seen that's just a fucking hill that can stand up. But as it stands up and turns towards all of you in that sort of slow motion y giant way that they do, uh, it turns towards you all and kind of like in a look of panic, turns quickly and begins to run away, which shakes the grounds you guys are around right now. What would you like to do? Wait. Giganta wants to call and like, we're not a foe here. Did you yell that in giant? Yeah. Anton, be careful. Trolls are incredibly dangerous. This one was kind. It has some level of kindness to creatures. It may have kindness to us. Say, I mean, this thing's kissing wombats. Norhill's talking about wearing them as shoes. Yeah, it turns out, yeah, I'm gonna retcon it. In that last combat where Anton, I mean, when Norhill was in his underpants, he was wearing wombat slippers. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's up. That's so sad. But with that, as the wombats pop back out of their holes and start fighting again, the troll turns around after hearing Anton speak and comes walking back over. And as it does, booming the ground as it steps over here, it lowers itself to the ground near you guys. And it looks like its head must be about the size of Norhill. Like this thing is just tremendously large, right? Giant and gangly with a huge, gigantic hooked nose that just kind of reaches down to like its own chin. And as it leans in, it speaks in a very cooing voice towards Anton and brings one of its giant dirty fingers over to Anton and starts to rub at Anton's head and speaks to you in the giant giant tongue. But from your understanding of the language of giants, it's talking to you like a baby. And it says to you, it says, where did you come from, little one? Not from here. Where did you come from, big one? Okay, very well. So with that, it says, I've always lived here. I'm a hill troll. As you may have noticed, sometimes I'm more hill than troll. Are you in need of a friend? Maybe. We, we're trying to take care of a dragon. You see a quick glimmer of pain, fear, and like anger all of a sudden flood into this thing's face and its mouth curls back at the lips. And you could see like giant teeth that look broken and beaten as if having like suffered wounds and beatdowns and having probably eaten rocks or maybe people at one point in time. This thing snarls towards you and its demeanor shifts as it says, I hate that dragon. So do we. We wanted to make it go away. So it stands up to its full height and kind of like showcases its like rib cage towards its back. And you can see 
like a giant gouge in it as it looks like maybe it had been wounded by something and the wound's never fully sealed. And so he looks down at you and says, it's got that dragon magic wounded me with its breath. I protected a bunch of people though. And they might be looking to be friends with you. And it looks over to Klika and says, oh, a furry one. And it goes to reach down to pick up Schalt. Oh no. Klika just pops up and I guess just waves and says, hi, I'm Klika at it. And the thing stops before it reaches for the, uh, for the dog and leans in and says, Oh, and in the gigantic tongue there, it says, I, uh, I found some of your family, your friends. I can take you to them. Does Klika use her ability? Uh, I guess she would. Yeah. Uh, just after seeing that it didn't immediately try and eat. Anton, so yeah. We wanted to make sure it was okay. So we let it try to come close enough to eat Anton, and once it didn't, we knew yeah. it was legit. And then I was like, okay, now now I'll now I'll try and talk to it. And so with that, um, it says, Do you want me to take you to my new friends? Oh, um yes. Do and- it's asking if we want to go to his friends. Oh, what sort of friends? I I get. He said they're my friends and family. So goblins. Or or dragons. Klika's not really sure anymore. Fan of the dragon. I don't think he wants to take us to him. But it might be best to get all the info we can before we keep moving. We were probably going to need to find the goblins one way or another, I suppose. As long as it's friendly, this is as good a way as any. Um, what are their names? And Klika points to the two badgers. And he says, Oh, I never give them names. To be totally frank, he puts his hand to the side of his mouth as if telling you all a secret. I can't tell them apart. Any of them. But they don't seem to mind. Wow. Well, this is Shalt. And Klika gives Shalt a big hug. He picks Shalt up with two fingers. Klika's still on Schalt, so that's fine. And he just looks at Schalt real close, and you can see his eyes go cross-eyed as he looks real nice, close and deep into the dog's eyes, and he says, No good boy. Schalt just coughs, but in that dog cough kind of way, where it's just, it's like, ew. (laughs) He's had a lot of hot dogs lately, but they don't sit well with him. Especially that 20-foot-long hot dog that he took <laughs> It was a lot of sand. 
the 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 hill troll is very much confused by whatever a hot dog is and why anybody would eat 20 feet of it but he just shrugs his massive shoulders and assumes it's something he'll never understand so with that he just kind of turns to you guys and he says if you'd like i could take you there but the goblins are definitely afraid of what and so he just kind of shrugs his shoulders and then it looks as if like he just remembered something real quick and he says the dragon and the humans and the elves and the goblins that's a lot of things to be afraid of it's a scary world and he points to the wombats and he says they bite one of them tried to burrow in my uh Anyway, it's a scary world. Klika nods understandingly. Giving a very terrified look in the direction of the wombats. <laughs> Norhill begins to slobber a little bit. Salivating at the thought of wombats too. Damn dwarves. But anywho... So what's the plan? Would you like to join our friend? I think we're going to be following our friend the hill. The hill troll. I mean, he's looking to pick you guys up and have you hold on to the grasses and trees on his back. Sure. And as he goes to start picking you guys up one by one to put you on his back, he shifts a little bit first and holds down his giant hand and he says... Well, before we go any further, I figure I should introduce myself. My name is Bacalopgelp. And as he speaks, chunks of dirt and mud fling out from his mouth and off his face as he kind of like shakes his head emphatically as he says, Bacalopgelp. Is he still speaking giant? Hmm? Is he still speaking giant? Yeah. It one would intuit that that's the only language he speaks. Um, yeah, I guess he's going to take us to these goblins who I guess are afraid of everything. Also, Jarzak, this is the first time you get to go up, too. Oh, is this, is this what it's like? This is awesome. Yeah, you need to carry me more. No, Click is the biggest, so she gets carried. You got me there. Then the troll (laughs) begins to sing, I can show you the world. (laughs) He gets immediately hit with a copyright lawsuit. He just dies of copyright infringement. But um, (laughs) he's struck by a lawyer beam. Um, but that each one of the members of the party are tossed up onto his back, holding onto shrubs and bushes, and a wombat appears from a dirty pile on his back. Uh, the wombat approaches you guys in a very gentle way and comes scuttling and cuddling on over to Anton. But, yeah, again, it's like a giant fat corgi mixed with a woodchuck. Like, they are just, just the strangest marsupials, but and as you're holding it, or at least sitting next to it, a tiny little wood, uh, a tiny little wombat head pokes out of its little joey pouch, and you can tell that it's got a little baby in there and it's hanging out, but doesn't seem to be hostile or too protective. 
as if they can kind of trust you now that you've made your way to the troll back. But as the troll carries you guys on a long trek, which would have taken you probably four times as long, you guys appear to be entering the town of Hillhide, or at least just outside of it. And as you do, he stops at sort of a rocky outcropping. And as he begins to lower you guys down, he says, Inside that cave, I've uh, gotten my friends, the goblins, to stay safe for a while. They don't feel like coming out. And with that, as he kind of stands at the doorway and knocks a couple times at the stone as if it was a door, um, a group of about five goblins come out and each one of them look pretty much indistinguishable from Klika, apart from the fact that you obviously Klika looks like Klika, but like they're like the same height, the same general appearance, hair color, eye color, pretty much other than the pennies and the scaliness. They look just like her. And the one in the front just like has his mouth hang a little bit open as if like he knows her from somewhere. And he holds up a hand and he says, uh, who are you? Hi, I'm Klika. And he lifts one little eyebrow as he looks around the entrance and looks between the troll's legs to see if anybody came up behind him. And as he goes to say, well, my name is Gudwicks. As he says Gudwicks, from behind you guys, jumping out from behind a crop of bushes, a middle-aged human man pops out with a spear and appears to be wearing what could understandably be the colors of Sulfide. He comes out wearing sort of like a battle raiment that belongs to this, this uh, barony. And he jumps out with a spear and he says, I knew there were still goblins to be found out here. I'll kill every last one of you if I have to. And Gudwicks and the gang look terrified. The troll is too busy staring at Shalt, hoping to pick up for another up-up. And this man seems to be shaking and waving the spear as if ready to gut some goblins. But his eyes are aimed directly at Klika. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.